Welcome to Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. I know how things can be sometime where you think I might be, I might not do a back-to-back week, but it is what is intended. From deep underground in Staten Island's beer bunker slash virtual saloon, welcome to yet another episode of Three Beers In, the craft beer show bringing you the latest news and unique craft beer reviews. I'm Dom, and this is episode number 178, the season four premiere of Three Beers In, and this week we are drinking Life in the Clouds by Collective Arts Brewing. And I think they are located, let me see on the can here, you would think I'd have this all, uh, what? One Wanakee, Wisconsin, USA. All right, so this one's coming out of Wisconsin, and it's a 6.2% ABV. Niapa, well, it's a Niapa slash double dry hopped IPA. Uh, here it just says double dry hopped IPA on Beer Advocate, it has it listed as a Niapa, but it's pretty darn good, and we'll get to that in a second. Well, in a, in a little bit, we have segments. I got to bring myself back down to uh, earth because I haven't been on in a little while before the Oktoberfest special. And I'm so sorry, guys, that that didn't come in five by five, as the kids say. I did have a little bit of a volume issue. I'm trying to work that out now. I think my cables have gone bad because they're four or so years old and they were very cheap. So um, in the upcoming weeks, I will purchase some professional cables because I did do some reading on the internet and it said that if you have a really expensive setup like I do, thank you everyone that donated to the GoFundMe, and you get cheap cables, it's like putting shitty tires on a Lamborghini. And right now I got some really shitty tires on this Lambo, if I may say so myself. But we shall persevere and move on because I'm not going to sit here and wait to do a show for some cables. It's going to sound a little, I mean, I hope it comes in clear. I hope it comes in fine, but we're going to try to fix that. And if you didn't, if you weren't able to hear the Oktoberfest special, I'm working very hard to get that squared away because I have to dig in this computer here to find the raw file to bring it back to its greatness in terms of volume uh, it's going to it's going to use some editing on my side which i am able to do and i shall do for the people because this show is about the people and i also didn't put the fucking show on the website that was actually all on me i mean i did have 12 oktoberfests that night and i was singing a lot and i was cheersing everybody and it was just a fantastic fun time party and we are still right in the midst of oktoberfest right now still going on, still going strong. So I'm hoping that you guys are getting out there, having some of these delicious Mars and beers, having these delicious fest beers, Oktoberfest beers, whatever you want to call them, or just beer in general. It's a celebration. It's a good time, and it gets us ready for the fall. So before we move on, just wanted to say that this was the first actual sumo tournament that I watched every single day of the action with every single match. And it has gotten me even more enamored in it and even more dedicated to it. I cannot wait for the next one, which is not next month, but the month after. Uh, after. 
This time around, I was doing like my own little scorecard. I kind of printed out all the names and stuff, and I was following along with their records. And the one thing that I actually did too was uh, I participated in a forum where people follow the the the, the wrestlers, yeah. and you pick uh, who you think will do well, and you do a record at the end of it. And I picked the guy who won. His name is Shodai. He won his first um, tournament, and looks like he'll be getting a, a promotion. So congratulations to Shodai. And that's my sumo take of the week, ladies and gentlemen. So a little bit about this beer that I'm drinking right now. Uh, I'm going to give you the little synopsis that they have in uh, their website. Actually, I didn't get their website. Should I open up their website? Hang on a second. Okay, so just a little bit of a... Um, I'm a little confused. So I go to their website, and they have a brewery in Hamilton... I mean, so that's going against what I just read on the can. So I think they're like a collective. I mean, obviously collective arts where they do like art stuff. Hold on. Where's this? Is this in Wisconsin? Are you in Wisconsin? Hello? Now I don't know what's going on here because they also say they have a coming soon, a brewery in um, Brooklyn, New York. So, yeah, I'm a little I'm a little confused here. Where the hell is this right here? This is Burlington Street East because it says Ontario. All right, now I'm going into Google Maps here. God, did, uh, what I have to do to figure out where the hell I am in the world. Is this in Canada? This is in Canada. So this beer is either from Canada or not. I don't know. They're not really. Also, the website is weird because I started scrolling and all of a sudden a YouTube video just opened up, which is strange. All right, so this one's, what is it? Life in the Clouds. Oh, my God. I, you know, whenever I come across a website like this, I feel like such a non-millennial. Like, I don't, like, I'm I'm like, where am I? What am I clicking on here? What am I, you know, no offense to people who have trouble with technology, but I'm really, oh, my God, there's so many beers. All right, I'm not going to go off of their website then. I mean, it, I think it's from, our, this beer is either from Ontario, Canada, or Wisconsin, so take your pick. They're not too, too far from each other, but it says here, Life in the Clouds is our flag. Oh, it does say Niepa on here, but it doesn't have any game. Either way, Life in the Clouds is our flagship New England-style IPA. After experimenting with the collective seasonal hazy IPA, we dialed in the Simcoe and Mosaic hops and malt balance to optimize this juicy IPA's pleasantly fruit-forward, think citrus and melon, taste, and aroma. In keeping with the Nouveau, no, Nouveau Niepa tradition, Life in the Clouds is an unfiltered beer, neither overly sweet nor bitter, with a pillowy mouthfeel. So that actually brought me to the um, the hop of the week. We're going to talk about Mosaic and Simcoe. So obviously, as you know, we have covered these uh, hops before, but in season four, as in the seasons before us, I am going to read about them anyway, just to get you guys familiar with these hops, because they are a popular hop that do appear quite often in these beers. So the first one we're going to do is Mosaic, released in 2012 by the Hop Reading Company, LLC. That's actually what it's called, the Hop Reading Company, LLC. Um, Mosaic hops feature complex but clean flavor characteristics and are known for their triple-use profile, encompassing bittering flavor and aroma. It's, it's, a, it's a fucking powerhouse of a hop. You see it all over. They have high alpha acids, but low colhumulone, which makes them pleasantly hoppy, carrying flavors of mango, pine, citrus, and herbs, 
and aromas of tropical and stone fruit. Mosaic is the first daughter of Simcoe and Nugget, as um, as has been humorously referred to as uh, Citra on steroids. So it's also known as HBC 369 for bittering and aroma. And the alpha acid composition is anywhere from 11.5% to 13.5%. Moving along to Simcoe, who apparently is the parent of this hop, released in the world, to the world, in 2000 by y Yakima or Yakima, uh, you know, I don't know, Chief Ranches, American variety Simcoe has become wildly popular with craft breweries. With a high alpha acid percentage and a low colhumulone, it makes a very nice foundational bittering hop. It is also noted for its uh, uh, flavorable, favorable, excuse me, aroma qualities. It has a pleasantly fruity yet earthy herbal and piney aroma. And then, of course, I read on here, it just talks about flying fish. They did something with it. But it's also known as the Cascade on steroids. Uh, so uh, the characteristics of this particular hop are bright citrus flavors with earthy undertones, aromas of grapefruit, pine, and herbs used for bittering and aroma. And the alpha acid composition of this hop is anywhere from 12% to 14%. And this is double dry hopped. So I do wonder what they dry hopped it with. I'm, I'm assuming they dry hopped it with the with the Simcoe um, because it has the higher alpha acid composition. But, you know, I, I don't know because I wasn't there to brew it. You know, I wasn't in the process. And if you wanted to watch, you'd probably, you might have to go to Canada because that's apparently where they're located. I didn't know. Uh, I thought it was Wisconsin. I was just reading off of the, uh, the can here. Very nice can presentation too. It is artistic in nature, uh, you know, which is a, a, a fun part of the, the whole beer process. Or the craft beer process. Some of the cans are, are, and the artwork is really, really fun and uh, cool to look at. You know, I, I, I kind of rushed through the beginning of the show here. I didn't really talk to, to you guys. How you guys doing? Is everybody good? You feeling good? You having a great time? You know, twenty twenty is is coming to a close soon. I hope. Well, not soon, right? We have a couple more months left, and everybody thinks that 2021 is going to be so much better. It's not. It's going to be just as fucking crazy as right now because the world is in a fucking tailspin. But that does not mean that three beers in does not power through the chaos. This is what we're doing. We're trying to bring you, I'm trying to bring you some fun, entertaining, excellent content regarding the one thing that brings us all together, which is beer. And that's season four, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're going to do. We're going to have a positive season, a fun season for and it's going to be a year of just fun, good times. So we're going to keep the Mount Rushmore going. I'm going to do lager, ale, stout, and I don't know if I'm, I'm going to call it the guest tap or, or uh, yeah, guest tap. And under the guest tap, if I feel a beer has, because uh, that's an homage to the beginning of Three Beers In, because we had the, when we did the beer portion of the show, we called it the quote unquote guest tap. So we're paying homage and on there, I'm going to put beers that maybe don't quite fit um, in the particular categories that I've laid out before. And I'm going to try to put on there, you know, if I get a sour, if I get a, a stout that I think was good enough, you know, but not good enough to overtake, you know, one of the one of the big boys here. Because I'm going to carry them over and, uh, you know, to see if they can get dethroned. And I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see because it'll provide a legacy for the show as well as we go through the years of it. As we go through the years of three beers in, we'll see uh, where we stand. Oh, allergies are killing me. In terms of um, 
of the beers that we do have. But let's get into some of the... Oh, oh shit, that's still playing. Mm, my bad. But let's get into the beer news, because I didn't cover it for a while, and we got a little bit of a bit of it. So the beer news, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I hate opening up these articles because there's just so many ads and stuff. Thank God I have this laptop here that I that I put Linux on to get rid of all the bloatware. So here, uh, what the ale? Dead armadillo. And I love, I always will do an article of people helping out and fundraising and stuff like that because I think it's just very important to raise that awareness. And we're a national slash international show. So it does touch home for a lot of listeners here. Dead armadillo. Release Rising Hope, a beer fundraiser for the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation. You got to give it up, especially now during the COVID and stuff that, you know, the spirit of what craft beer is all about in terms of just trying to help out the community. Here it is. So Dead Armadillo, this is coming out of Tulsa. So I'm going to assume it's Oklahoma, but I don't know much. Uh, What do we have here? Wait a minute. Where's the article? Where'd the article go? Is it still loading? Oh my God. Wait a minute. There's no article here. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a video. I can't play that. I can't play this video. I'm so sorry. That'll, that'll get me in trouble. So let me just, um, I'm just going to type in uh, dead armadillo. Uh, oh man. I feel like such a, a douche now. Cause I don't have like this thing all queued up here. Dead armadillo brewery. Where are they located from? They are in... Tulsa, Oklahoma, like I said. Let me kind of go to their website and see if they have something here. Yes, I'm 21. Oh, wow, it's an actual dead armadillo. It's got the X on the eye and stuff. Oh, that's so cool. Seek the dead, whether at a ball game or on your couch. Dead armadillo is everywhere in Oklahoma. Be social. Blah, blah, blah. All right, they don't really have a write-up in their, in their website about it. Hmm. Well... Shout out to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, uh, to this brewery in Tulsa. If you can get there and try to get in on this fundraiser. I can't play this video. I thought it was an article. I do apologize. I feel like a bit of a rube now that I didn't do that the correct way. But uh, support a good cause because it's it's very uh, important that we do that. Personal loss. This is the next article here. And this is coming out of Kansas City. Personal loss, uh, loss prompts Lenexa Couple. To brew beer for suicide prevention. That's right. The brewery is selling to raise money for a cause. Not an art, uh, not a video, so I can read this to you guys. This is from Caitlin Newt from KSHB.com out of Lenexa, Kansas. Uh, September is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. So if you or someone you know is having suicidal thoughts, there is help available. It's a message that's being shared in perhaps an unlikely place, a Lenexa brewery. The couple who runs the brewery says their efforts were born from a very personal loss. So sad. Let me take a sip here. Two years ago, Dave Mobley gave up his career with the U.S. Postal Service to follow his passion, brewing beer. His brewery, Limitless Brewing, took off, and it wasn't long before his wife quit her job to help him full-time, especially when the pandemic hit. And to-go orders went through the roof. And they got a picture of the place. It looks like a really nice place. Very quaint. Very packed in. God, I miss these days. <laughs> the amount of cans we had to produce a day, we were in shock, Mobley said. We were basically getting cans, filling them 16 hours a day. 
and then we'd put them out on a Saturday and it'd be gone in a couple of hours. That's really great. It's been a good problem to have and a reason to celebrate. But sadly, it's a success story that his younger brother and best friend never got to see for himself. So 10 days before we opened Limitless, my, bro my brother committed suicide, Mobley said, tears filling in his eyes. That's terribly tragic. His family said it was completely out of character and they act like they, and, and an act that they never saw coming. And here's a picture of him and his brother smiling. So sad. Uh, it happened one day after Josh uh, Mobley's 35th birthday, along with Frisbee Road, along Frisbee Road by the Kansas River. A police report determined Josh fatally shot a female friend before turning the gun on himself. Oh my goodness. Although it was uh, officially declared a murder-suicide, his family maintains two notes were found indicating that it was a suicide pact. I think in their minds, a lot of them think uh, it's going to help, even if uh, this... Oh wait, hold on. I think in their minds, a lot of them think it's going to help. Like, even the suicide notes, there's zero closure, said Dave. If you've ever been through this kind of loss, there's just no answers. Uh, that's the hardest part. You're left with this emptiness and you have no closure at all. That was added by Dave's wife, Emily. Still, instead of bottling up that pain, they're sharing their story in the hopes of helping others. And this is, this is the, the, the good part of this story. The tragedy can be met with some positivity. Again, nothing to fill the void, but the fact that they're going out there and they're, and they're trying to help others is very, uh, is very good. The past two years, they've raised money for Johnson County Suicide Prevention Coalition, including $5,000 last year alone. The money helps uh, to fund promotional material, including magnets and coasters with suicide hotline printed on them that are used at local restaurants and bars. So if someone comes in, they may be trying to have a beverage, and they see the coaster, said uh, Megan Clark with the Johnson County Mental Health Center. They might not need this coaster right now or even at this point. We've had people take a picture, so later on they came back to it as a kind of a resource. And here we see the uh, the card, Suicide Prevention Co Coalition, and, a, and they got the, a red circle with big blue letters saying, you are not alone. But this year's the Mobleys are taking it a step further, brewing a limited edition beer called Your Story Is Not Complete. On the back, the Johnson County 24-hour crisis hotline number will be listed. The beer is available all month or until supplies run out, with a 100% of the proceeds going to... Uh, suicide prevention and it looks like a pretty damn good beer that's got a good color to it like that light pineapple juice color your story is not complete uh, the money will go towards youth suicide prevention as a part of the program sources of strength sources of strength is a program that aims to prevent suicide by harnessing our strengths we all have as humans when we talk about prevention we want to start early clark said source of strength uses uh is used in the three school districts in the Johnson County and some private schools. And, um, I mean, this is just a really great cause here. If you're feeling suicidal, there are numbers you can call. Your story is not complete. I'm really glad I was able to read this article to you guys. I hope that, again, if you, if you, you know, this is a tragic story, but, um, you know, there is a, uh, some light at the end of the tunnel here in terms of their tragedy. They're able to have some positivity with it, and and they will help others. I mean, these these collectives and these uh, organizations and societies of, of prevention and, and helping others, it does help. It does help for sure. And if you know anyone or if you yourself are feeling a certain way, hey, you, you will get help. You can get help. Just reach out, you know, and um, if you see someone that needs help, you know, don't be afraid to to step in and and help your friend that's in need.
Another feel-good article here coming out of Chicago. And this is from BlockClubChicago.org. Joe Ward writes, Uptown Women's Shelter throwing virtual beer fest to raise funds for homeless services. I think I missed it because uh, this article is from earlier in September, but Sarah Circle is hoping the virtual beer fest raises $50,000 uh, for its homeless shelter. This year's beer fest fundraiser may not be as rowdy as the previous version, but Uptown Women's Shelter Sarah Circle is hoping that the community can still celebrate virtually for a good cause. Oh, here's a register link. I'll open a new tab and see if like they announce what they did. Sarah Circle, which serves women who are experiencing homelessness, will host its 12th annual beer fest, 6 to 7 p.m. on Thursday, but that was, you know, much earlier. Uh, previous version of the fundraiser was held at a live at the lively establishments like Joe's on Weed Street, and, but like most other uh, in-person events, it has to be virtually held. So this is another great organization going to a great cause here. Sarah Circle. Wait, hold on. Let me see if they actually did something. Sarah Circle. Did you do it? Did like is it over? Can you give me something here? Oh wait, it's on Facebook. Let me see what they did. I want to see if they Oh, toast to home was their hashtag. That's 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 great. Oh, I think I just killed my I just killed my Facebook thing. No, I don't want to put it on my Facebook. No offense. But they're throwing a beer fest here. Nothing about any craft beers. Oh, more information here. Sorry, I hate when I have to walk. It's the same goddamn thing. It's the same thing. So there's no update here. I don't have anything in terms of what they had done. But again, a story of beer coming together. Oh, I just killed the whole thing. I just killed the whole thing. Oh, they did raise $50,000. They wanted to... Well, that's so special. They had a virtual beer fest, and they raised $50,000. Such a wonderful, wonderful story, a wonderful tale going towards women's shelters here. Here's another one here. This is thedrinkbusiness.com. And the Florida property wallpapered with Budweiser cans is on sale for $100,000. I, I wouldn't buy it for, for 20 bucks. And they have pictures here, and it is so weird. There's so many. It's just, it's got that red, white, and blue color, mostly white. Can you imagine the smell? Oh, my goodness. I'm sure they, you know, rinsed it out and stuff. 815 uh, square foot condo, uh, you know, and it was, uh, it was built by a lifelong Budweiser fan. Poor guy. Poor guy. And the pictures here are something else. I'm gonna fa I'm gonna put this on the Facebook because a lot of Yankees memorabilia too. But this is disgusting uh, in terms of the, the, so much. First of all, this guy's got a drinking problem. I would think if he if he's like, well, you know, I do a beer show and stuff. He's got Budweiser stuff all over the place. It's just a Budweiser wet dream thing. Why am I even reading about this? This is like an InBev commercial I'm doing. No, do not go and get this thing. Don't do it. No, 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 no. Uh, ugh. Here's another article here. The U.S. Department of Justice has approved the sale of Hawaii operations of a beer company. Um, the Kona Brewing Company is being sold to um, the Craft Beer uh, Brew Alliance. Uh, I think. Wait, let me read this here because this is a weird sale of Hawaii beer. Actually, clear the way for InBev is going to take it over. I know that they're they're, they're selling it so that InBev can can kind of like make, oh, so they have their, okay. The U.S. Department of Justice has approved the sale of the Hawaii operations uh, of a beer company, which could clear the way for a related acquisition by Anheuser-Busch. So Anheuser-Busch is looking to acquire, okay, this is interesting because 
Anheuser-Busch wanted to acquire Kona, right? But the Department of Justice stepped in and said that you would you would take too much of the market of the beer in Hawaii, believe it or not, you know, of all places. So the brew, the Kona is selling to a collective that is going to then be bought by Anheuser-Busch. So Anheuser-Busch is like using a shell company to buy it, and it's okayed by the, uh, the Department of Justice. So the Craft Brew Alliance agreed to sell Kona to PV Brewing Partners. West, uh, to, okay, wait a minute. Let me look up PV uh, Brewing Partners because I think they are like a subsidiary of Anheuser-Busch. We got we to watch out for these wolves in the sheep's clothing. Okay, because this is where it can get a little sketchy. You can't even find anything on the Craft Brew Alliance. Oh, I see. The Craft Brew Alliance wants to... Oh. Anheuser-Busch Company's acquisition of the Craft Brew Alliance likely would uh, substantially reduce the direct competition in Hawaii between Anheuser-Busch brands and the Craft Brew Alliance's Kona brand. So they sold it. So they... they they sold it to someone. God damn it. I'm not smart enough for this stuff. Let me just read the article and then maybe you can decide. Okay. Huh. Craft Brewer Alliance agreed to sell Kona Brewing Company to PV Brewing Partners. The Department of Justice Antitrust Division approved the sale Friday to PV Brewing, a Delaware limited liability company headquartered in Kansas. This is where the shim shamming comes in. The same day, the department filed an antitrust lawsuit to block the $220 million merger of Kraft Brew Alliance and Anheuser-Busch, which was announced in November. The department has also fired a, a, filed a proposed settlement, which would resolve the competitive harm alleged in the department's lawsuit. The antitrust complaint said Anheuser-Busch Company's acquisition of Kraft, Kraft Brew Alliance likely would substantially reduce direct competition in Hawaii between Anheuser-Busch brands and the Kraft Brew Alliance's Kona brand. In 2010, Craft Brew Alliance completed an $18 million purchase of Kona Brewing, which opened in uh, Kulua, Kona in 1994. The Anheuser-Busch and Craft Brew Alliance transaction would have given the companies a combined share of 41% of the Hawaii beer market, the complaint said. Let me take a sip. Without the merger, the companies would continue to invest and compete against each other. For premium beer sales in the state, the Department of Justice said. Uh, the proposed settlement requires conditions enabling PV brewing to compete, including the sale of Kona Brewing Facilities, a perpetual exclusive license of the Kona brand in Hawaii and other interests. The Kona Brewing Facilities is a 30,000 uh, 30, square foot thing that they do. The arrangement, uh, the owners of PV are David, David uh, Peacock, the former president of Anheuser-Busch, and they are based out of Kansas City, Kansas. So if if I'm not completely retarded, I think it just says like uh, you know, Anheuser Busch sells Kona to Anheuser Busch to skirt the Department of Justice requirements, basically. But in this also, the, the Department of Justice effectively have argued uh, that the that Hawaii has its own uh, beer market, so. Oh, geez, that was a terrible burp. That's good news. That's really good news. 
Uh, next article I have here, uh, Colorado, what is this here? Colorado Brewers Guild announces fresh hop beer lineup. So what is fresh hop? I had to look into this. Fresh hop is also known as wet hops. And basically what that is, is they are, they are cultivating these hops and they use them within 24 hours of the, of, of getting them. So a lot of breweries, uh, a lot of, so I think the, the crops are coming out like right now, like the crops are being matured or whatever right now. And what happens is the fresh hop also known as a wet, I'm going to read this off of the Colorado beer, uh, org. Fresh hop also known as wet hops beers are unique at this time of year. So we've gathered a list of breweries offer. Oh wait, they're not telling me what it is. Oh, they are telling me. Um, so they did a, a collection of breweries that are doing it in Colorado that are going to have, uh, and it's happening all over the United States right now. There's a lot. If you do see fresh hop or wet hop offerings at your local uh, uh, craft brewery, this is precisely what they're doing. What makes these beers so unique, unique is that they are made with fresh or wet hops instead of dried hops, which are mostly what are usually used. August and September are the harvest season for the Northern Hemisphere. And the only time to get fresh hops straight off the binds, not vines, the binds, unless that's a typo. Fresh hops need to be used within 48 hours, but most, brewer, uh, most brewers would suggest using them within 24 hours. Although they can be any style, most fresh beers, most fresh hop beers that are brewed are IPAs or pale ales to highlight the fresh hop flavor, regardless of the style. Fresh hop beer strives to highlight the hops' most delicate aromas that are often compared to freshly cut grass. So even though they're naming a whole bunch of local Colorado breweries here, so if you are listening and you are from Colorado, head over to Bristle Brewing, Brews Beers, Colt Arms Brewing, uh, Comrade Brewing, Elevation Beer, uh, Holiday Brewing Company, Jagged Mountain Craft Brewery, Joyride, Little Machine, Moonlight Pizza and Brew Pub is actually doing their own uh, wet hop pail. Strange Craft Beer, Stronghouse Brew, Travoli Brewing. Uh, those are just to name a few uh, if you're out there in Colorado. And also check with your local breweries right now if you're going out and about in the neighborhoods and you're finding and you're stumbling upon breweries. If you do see that they have a fresh hop or wet hop offering, you know that what you're getting is one of these beers. That that and This is exciting, too, because we can actually we could kind of predict that August and September from now on is when we're going to have these wet hop or fresh hop uh, beers that we can, uh, that we can enjoy. Hold on. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure I'm getting through all the articles here that I have for uh, this week's show. Next one here. Now this I like because I kind of like when craft beer, there's, there's not like this sinisterness to it, but there's like a, you know, like I'm going to do it myself type thing that I really, really like this DIY, you know, um, feeling that you get when it comes to craft beer. And now this, I find really cool because there are a lot of States that have weird laws when it comes to alcohol. And there are small breweries that are taking advantage of liquor laws that create the Pennsylvania loophole beer. And this is from triblive.com. This is Patrick Vereen. He writes about this here. Small breweries, like so many other businesses, have been hit hard by the health and safety restrictions of the COVID-19 pandemic. Those who don't have means of selling their beer beyond pints and growlers are in an especially difficult position. 
We're just a small family-owned brewery with a two-barrel system, said Jeff Bloom of Bloom Brew in West Newton. And in late March, I'd been saving money to do some canning. Bloom owns a small bench top canner, but it requires a lot of work and the labor costs eat into the profit, he said. The alternative is doing a large-scale run of canning. For many small brewers, it's simply not financially feasible. We have a 10-barrel brew house, and we can use a mobile canning service that comes in to can it for a certain amount for us, says Jason Ufema, manager at Shy Bear Brewing in Lewistown. To really make it economically feasible, you have to do about 20 barrels of beer at a time. But East End Brewing Company in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, Larmere uh, neighborhood has come up with a way to help out those small breweries. It takes advantage of a loophole in the state's labyrinth system of liquor laws. And, you know, this had happened when I had talked when New Jersey had done that stupid law about how, like, they had to do a tour at a brewery before you could uh, have the, the, the tap room beer and stuff like that. And the loophole was uh, the great uh, Jersey Pete Sullivan had told me about this. What the loophole was is they had it just looped on the screens that uh, that are in the brewery. And they were like, did you take the tour? And they're like, oh, I don't know if I took the I didn't take the tour. Like, there it is right there. There's the tour. Have a beer. I love that. I love the little loophole, the little I'm going to make my way through. So let's see here. East End is producing a canning is producing and canning. The beer is called Pennsylvania Loophole. As a collaboration beer, it's created in cooperation with Shy Beer, Bloom, Bloom Brew, Spring Hill, and 12 other Pennsylvania brewers who all discussed and settled on a recipe. After signing the requisite legal agreements, all collaborating brewery names will appear on the can, which allows them to sell six packs to go at their breweries. Wow. For a young destination brewery like Shy Beer, that only launched a little over two years ago, it's a chance to start up a revenue stream normally not available to them. The group of brewers in Pennsylvania that got together are really forward-thinking in their ideas, Euphema said. They're all emblematic of the human humanistic side of brewing. Grant Saylor, co-owner of Lincoln Avenue Brewery in Bellevue, agreed. There's certainly a culture of all boats rising, Saylor said. Funny, his name is Saylor, and he brings up boats there's a lot of uh, collaborative effort, uh, not just on things like this, but other ideas to get people out and keep the craft beer scene moving forward. A few years ago, small breweries were granted permission for on-premises sales of any alcohol produced in the state. Quote, but people couldn't get it as takeout, Bloom said. There's this loophole addresses that. East End founder Scott Smith formed the loophole idea during conversations with fellow brewer John Frampton of Boxcar Brewworks in Du Bois. In, or Du Bois, excuse me. I have been talking with John about what we could do to help, and together we came up with a great way for smaller operations out there to be able to sell some cans, Smith said. Pennsylvania loophole is a 7.2% uh, ABV New England style. Hazy India Pale Ale and the APA brewed with Idaho 7 and Galaxy Hops. The brew has started as a one-time authoring, but Smith thinks that it could return. Given the strong response we've seen from the breweries looking to collaborate on this first round, another batch uh, with a brand new recipe, maybe with some other collaborators, seems likely. It is expected to be available for sale starting mid-September at any of the collaborating breweries. The complete list is right here. 
I'm going to click it and I'm going to shout out all these breweries because this is fucking great. Taking advantage of the stupid fucking system here. Uh, Pennsylvania loophole. We got Big Rail Brewing, Bloom Brew, Boneshire Brew Works, Boxcar Brew Works, Cla Clarion River Brewing Company, Covered Bridge Brew House, Fury Brewing Company, Hemhawa Brewing Company, Lake Hill Brewing Company, Lincoln Avenue Brewing, oh, big burp there, Rusty Gold Brewing, Shy Bear Brewing, Spring Hill Brewing, Stone Bridge, oh, Stone Bridge, be careful, you guys, Union Brothers Brewing, and of course, uh, East End Brewing, and I love the, I love the label, it's a beautiful, <laughs> it's a broken loophole arrow, and it's blue and white, it's really, really nice, uh, I want to try to get my hands on one of these, watch out for it in a couple of weeks, Wow, this is really, really neat. And I just love that. It is such a, it's such a beautiful story in terms of like just craft beer making it. And that's what it's all about. You got these small places just trying to make it. And the fact that this whole pandemic and the shutdowns and stuff really put a fucking monkey wrench in a lot of these places. But here you see, beer will always find a way. The last article I have here, it's, 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 it's a kind of a long one. So I'm just going to just brush on it real quick. So a dry Oktoberfest is Munich bans alcohol on the grounds due to coronavirus. So there's been a lot of people in Germany trying to celebrate their Oktoberfest and more power to them. I support you guys. I stand with the beer drinkers of Munich. The ban is, was because um, they're trying to ban alcohol in the area that the Oktoberfest would be happening because what's happening is you see a lot of pop-up picnics of people just getting together with beer you know, no tents or anything like that, but people would be taking out uh, beer with family and friends, some some later hosen and stuff, and trying to drink and have a good time on the grounds, but now it's been officially banned because they do not want replacement parties happening, you know. Um, as you know, this past Saturday should have marked the start of October Fest celebrations. This is from DW.com. But events across Germany were canceled, of course, but the Munich authorities have now banned any alcohol on Theresienweiss, which is the grounds where the main celebration is usually held. The ban was put in place to prevent replacement parties for the event, which usually draws 6 million visitors. I want to be one of them so bad. Police sent officers on Saturday to break up the spontaneous large parties on the Oktoberfest grounds. The police reported that the atmosphere had remained peaceful and with just a few people in some traditional Oktoberfest dress, walking or having picnics in small groups. Such a sad thing that this whole COVID is really fucking a lot of things up for us. And it's a just, it's just a different world right now. And, um, I, I you know, you got to hand it to the spirit of the people in the area that aren't of the tourism, that, you know, this is a part of their culture and them just wanted to try to celebrate it. Hats off to them. I hope that they can have celebrations, just small ones with family and friends and, and enjoy the Oktoberfest. I'm going to be having, I'm going to be going to a, a little Oktoberfest party uh, next week, which is going to be just so much fun. So I hope that they could do something similar because this is what it's all about. I mean, Oktoberfest is, is celebrating life and, and beer. And this, you know, what's wrong with that? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I do know COVID's a thing. I get it. I get it. But you know, you just, when you hear a story like that, it just, it just kind of warms your heart. It just, it kind of warms your heart. So hats off to you guys. I support you. Keep doing what you're doing. Do it safely and enjoy your Oktoberfest.
Okay, Life in the Clouds by Collective Arts. Read about it already? Coming out of either Wisconsin or Ontario. I don't know. Take your take your pick there. Oh, look at that. Burst of aroma comes out of the can. That's always a good sign. Pour this bad boy out. Alrighty, here we go. Beautiful beer. It's one of those beers that um, as you pour it out, you get a little excited as you have a looky. As you have a look-see at this one. Obviously, this one is um, made with the Simcoe and Mosaic. We covered that earlier. Thank goodness. Let's get right into it, shall we, ladies and gentlemen? As we analyze this beer and have a look at what we have. So right here, we got a very hazy, light yellow color. Definitely what you want to see from a proposed uh, Niepa. Uh, I got about two fingers here of fluffy white head. Goes, uh, that's bubbling up pretty good. I think it's going to sustain a little bit here. It's got a great color to it. Uh, completely opaque. Cannot see through it. Uh, nothing really floating in there. Very inviting. Very fun. Very fun. Looks like it's going to be good. Let's get a nose here on it. Right away, so like I said, the, the, the aroma burst right out of the can. There was a slight hoppiness to it. Nothing too crazy. I get mangoes and passion fruit just right away. A citrusy aroma, tropical bouquet, if you will. There's like papaya and guava smells here. Uh, there's a piney, hoppy backbone to it, a little resiny. Uh, not like a sticky, piney, you know, hoppy, hoppy beer uh, smell that you're going to get. Um... Smells like it'll have like an earthiness to it. Uh, there's also a very light malty aroma here as well. It smells good. There you go. Boom. I'm going to say it like that. It smells good. Um, it's inviting. Definitely an inviting aroma. Nothing too crazy with the carbonation looking here, but a 6.2 percenter. Let's see what we get into with the taste, shall we? Oh, this is refreshing as all hell, man. Mmm. This isn't so much as a juice bomb. I would say it's like a juice M80. A bomb is a lot bigger than an M80, right? This has a touch of juice bomb to it. Not too much, but by no means is this a letdown whatsoever, okay? I get a great citrus flavor right up front. Right in the right in the right in the beginning of this beer, right? All those fruity aromas come through on the flavor, but it isn't like a punch of sweetness, right? You get that tropical bouquet. You get an orange citrusy to it. That guava, that I think mango is in there as well. But it's quite balanced in terms of the piney hop resonance that you get after the fruit flavors are there. Um, it's, it's very balanced, quite balanced in terms of the, um, those hops that are there. Ooh. Oh my God, it is really good. Really good beer here. The back end of it uh, tastes like it's got like an earthy hop dryness and maltiness. That is just really, really pleasant. And that earthy hop dry flavor just rests on your palate. 
way after you had a sip. It just sits there. And it's just the right amount of dryness there that invites you to have the next sip. Honestly, it's just always, it's constantly there for you, that flavor. It's, it's really strong. But I mean, not in terms of like turning up the heat strong. Like it is just perfect in terms of the balance. There's like a, a slight honey sweetness I'm getting there. Um, that, that, mm, that wholesome sweetness, but again, very well balanced, very well balanced beer here. No indicator whatsoever of the 6.2% ABV. Not too high, but not too low either. Fantastic flavors we have here. Overall, uh, there's not a lot of flaws uh, with this one. An overall exceptional offering here in the Miepa department. Uh, it's not overly sweet, like I said before. Definitely a beer that you could crush with ease. Very good and excellent. The burps are fantastic. I don't know where it's from. The mouthfeel, got medium carbonation. Mm. Very smooth presentation here. Really, I'm really enjoying that back end bitterness. You know, it's something that a lot of Niapas uh, fall to the wayside with, but this one, it, it's got it. It's really got it uh, all figured out. I give this one an 8.9, a very excellent beer to start off season four with. Uh, in the ale department, not going to um, overtake Alpha King from Three Floyds. Uh, although, like I said, I do have to get my hands on King Sue to go up against Alpha King. But I'm going to put this one down on the guest tab to start the season four because an 8.9 in the clouds. Let me put, let me write this down. Collective out clouds. Gonna put I'm gonna put that in the um in the in the guest tab section there because it is a fantastically excellent beer. Let's go. So season four, we have something on the Mount Rushmore. Life in the Clouds, double dry hot IPA from Collective Arts. An 8.9, a very good score. And the first one to reach the guest tap on our fourth beer on the Mount Rushmore. So if you are able to go out and get yourself a can or two or four, I mean, I could crush, easily crush, a, it's in a tall boy can, I could easily crush a four pack of this. Absolutely, are you kidding me? I could I could destroy a four pack, a four pack of this. I could have two four packs of this. That's how good it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I wanna thank you so very much for joining me this week. Oh, sorry, Jesus Christ. I wanna thank you so much for joining this week, the season premiere, season four of Three Beers In. I'm really looking forward to this year. I think it's going to be the best year of three beers in yet. We have lots of beer. Beverage Island is back, so we're going to have even more uh, selections to go for, uh, to choose from, which is going to be fantastic. So um, get out there and see if you could find a local brewery near you that's offering a fresh hop or wet hop uh, IPA or pale ale right now because that's what's happening right here uh, in this wheelhouse. So we have a lot to look forward to. You have wet hop, fresh hop IPAs, pale ales, and you have uh, Oktoberfest beers right now. So it's a great time to be a beer drinker, a craft beer drinker here uh, in the States and abroad. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. I'm gonna catch you next week. No, I'm not. Next week's my wife's birthday. Happy birthday. I will catch you the following week. All right, everybody, take care, everybody. Uh, stay well, God bless. Love y'all.